The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who run this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasso for Sports Talk Radio Show. Alex Clancy in studio. I've been gone for a week. Had a little uh, surgery, feel better, happy to be back. Got a lot to talk about. Let's jump right in. I th- Kwame might be calling in, but uh, for the most part, it's just going to be me today. Um, I'm going to talk uh, heavy NBA. A um, lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of storylines in the NBA playoffs, especially after the games last night. Hawks beat the Pacers, take a 2-1 lead in that series. Grizzlies beat the Thunder, take a 2-1 game in that series. And the Clippers go into Golden State. And beat the Warriors. Uh, the games, the, the the latter of the two, uh, the Warriors and Clippers, it wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. I understand that Steph Curry did have a shot at the buzzer to win. But the Clippers were up 18, I believe, uh, midway through the third quarter. The Warriors went on a run. But it just wasn't enough, and the same with the same with the Thunder. They were down seven. They went on a 17-0 run to get back into that game and force overtime. Russell Westbrook hit a huge three in the corner and then followed it up with a four-point play to keep that game close. But they ended up falling to the Grizzlies, 98-95. I will talk about that. I'll talk about how Russell Westbrook is an issue, uh, to say the least, in Oklahoma City. Uh, Should Frank Vogel be fired? I don't think so. I'll talk about that a little bit. And uh, later on, after the basketball talk, I will talk about the Arizona Cardinals, 2014 regular season, how their schedule is looking, how difficult it is with regards to the rest of the league, and um, if they can make a playoff push again and uh, maybe get in the playoffs this year winning 10 games. Uh, Last night, man, there's a lot of storylines. Let's talk about Indiana first. Hawks 98, Pacers 85. The Pacers just don't look like they care. And a a lot of it can be put towards the coach, the reasoning why. Uh, That's an easy scapegoat, especially Frank Vogel, who, if you're not a basketball fan, you don't know who that guy is. I mean, I understand that. So it's easy to scapegoat an unknown guy around the whole world of sports with regards to people that don't really know about basketball. I think this falls on Paul George. If you're going to be a superstar... And people proclaim him to be a superstar. I was, I, I kind of hedged my, hedged my decision uh, in, until the playoffs, and it's showing that I was right that he's not a superstar yet. Superstars don't take only eleven shots in a game. Shot three for 11, 12 points. He had fourteen boards, but it it just seems like Indiana Indiana as a whole is playing uninspired basketball, and I don't understand. As the number one seed, that's what you've been coveting the past three years playing Miami. On the road in a game seven last year, 
They're like, well, if we had home court advantage, we probably would have won that series, or we would have had a better chance to win that series. Now you get the number one overall seed. It, I understand that towards the end, Miami seemingly gave it to you by sitting LeBron the second-to-last game of the season that allowed you to clinch the number one overall seed. And now you're playing scared. The Hawks are playing fantastic basketball. Jeff Teak has opened my eyes to a world that I did not know existed down south. He's a solid point guard, and he is running these guys ragged. He had 22-10 and 10 last night. Not very efficient from the field, 7-20. of 20, But you could see that he's the leader of this team. He's been in the league, what, three years? And he already has more leadership qualities than the whole Indiana Pacers starting five combined. When you're leading assist getter is your power forward for the Pacers, David West with five, you have an issue. Indiana doesn't have a true point guard. George Hill is not a true point guard. Indiana is riddled with issues. No point guard. Traded Paul George's so-called big brother in Danny Granger to get Evan Turner. And I understand it was an upgrade because Danny Granger's looking like he's he's peaked already, and a lot of that is due to injury. They get Evan Turner, who's a very able-bodied, young, effective player, very efficient, can do a lot of things, rebound, pass the ball. He's not a huge scorer, and seemingly that's what they need right now. And then all of this begs the question, do they trust their coach? Have they instilled complete trust in their coach? And I don't think they have. When they came out of the woodworks the past couple years, Indiana Pacers I'm talking about, there were no real expectations. Because Miami was the team that was going to win, and anybody that could dethrone them, it would be an upset. Now with the expectations that, that they've gained from getting the number one overall seed, they're wilting. They are not stepping up to the plate. And the scary part about last night, aside from uh, their field goal percentage and three-point percentage, which was dismal, 37.5% from the field, 5 for 20 from three, they didn't play all that bad. And this was coming off a big win in Game 2 where they kind of righted the ship a little bit. They took care of business against Atlanta, who is an inferior team. But they go into Atlanta, and they play pretty well. Atlanta just beat them. Indiana has not been a good road team all year. They started out a fantastic road team and then lost 11 of their last 15 on the road, I believe, including last night. They're 4-11 and in their last 15 road games, which is problematic. Going on the road in a heated environment that is the NBA playoffs, you have to stick with what you know, which is trusting your, trusting your teammates, trusting your coach, and trusting your own talent. And it doesn't seem like they have any sort of trust with, within each other or with their abilities. Roy Hibbert's non-existent. 
I don't know what happened with him. I think it, it might be a mental issue. I think maybe bringing Andrew Bynum in could have potentially made him question his worth. I'm not sure why it would have, but it's definitely something to think about. Now, having said all of that, do I think that Indiana's done? No, absolutely not. A lot of people are are jumping to conclusions. Oh my God, Indiana's going to lose this series. A lot of really good teams have gone down 2-1 and one out, and people have forgotten about the first round. I still think Indiana's going to win this series just based on pure talent alone. I just think it's a little bit more difficult than people thought it was going to be initially. And that's, that's obviously, that's proof positive through three games. Moving on, Oklahoma City and Memphis. Nobody wants to play Memphis in the playoffs. So it's been the last three, four, five years. Ever since Mike Connolly's kind of come into his own, Zach Randolph, healthy, Marcus all healthy. They're a scary team. Tony Allen, the, the acquisition of Tony Allen from, from Boston was gigantic for them. They win 98-95 in overtime last night. This is the first game in the NBA playoffs where the home team has won an overtime game, which is interesting. The first three, the road team won. Russell Westbrook, 9 for 26 for 30 points. I, I, you know what? His numbers are fine. On paper, he's a great shooting guard. For somebody that's going to lead a team from the point guard position, not so great. Kevin Durant had an awful game. Still put up 30 and 9. 0 for 8 from 3, 10, from 20, 10 for 27 from the field. Not great. They got nine, 9 points from their bench. Counted by 34 from Memphis. All I could think about last night watching this game is I was thinking about Miami. And I was thinking about how lucky they were that Dwayne Wade had peaked when LeBron James got there and Chris Bosh got there. A lot of it was due to injury. I know Dwayne Wade's still a pretty young guy. I think he's 32, maybe 33 now. But if LeBron James went over there when he was 23 and Dwayne Wade was 27 or whatever the age difference is, they would have had issues just like Oklahoma City's having. Because you can't have two guys that still haven't reached the pinnacle of of their talent, ability, on the same team. Especially when they're as gifted as these two guys. Kevin Durant played 49 minutes last night out of a possible 53. When three-pointers don't go down later in games, especially with great shooters, and I would consider Kevin Durant a great shooter, it's fatigue. He's tired. It's not fair to him, nor Westbrook, in this regard, that they have to carry the scoring load completely on their own. They scored two-thirds of the team's points last night, and that's what it's been like. Kendrick Perkins plays 34 minutes. He's not a scorer, obviously. Cephalosia, defensive guy. Anybody on their bench, 
no good offensively. Reggie Jackson played great when West, when Westbrook was out, but he was just kind of forced into that role, and, and, and he was effective. But coming off the bench and starting is very, very different. Being able to turn it on at a moment's notice is very, very different. And Serge Ibaka is fine, 12-5. and five. I mean, 6 of 10 from the field, not bad. But for the money that they gave him and for what they let go in James Harden to keep him, it's not good enough. So they have some issues in Oklahoma City. And uh, we got to take a break. On the other side, I want to talk about why Scott Brooks isn't being talked about on the hot seat yet. Because I think he should be. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, voiceamerica.com. I'll be right back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit marchofdimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Welcome back. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, 888-346-9144. Give me a call. Let me know what you think. Alex Clancy in studio. Talking heavy NBA playoffs today. Just finished talking about Oklahoma City and Memphis last night. 98-95 98-95 Memphis in overtime. Why is Scott Brooks not on the hot seat? This means one of two things. One, it's a player personnel issue, and that would be the front office. Coaches can only do so much. Or two, coaches don't matter in the NBA. Unless you can demand respect of high-profile, big-ego guys Maybe coaches are worthless. Now, worthless is far-fetched. I understand that. I'll take that back. Maybe they don't mean as much as people give them credit for. I don't understand why they haven't even tried starting Russell Westbrook at the two-guard position. Now, I understand with Memphis, they're a bigger team, especially with Randolph and Marcus all down low, and they have Tony Allen as the three. And Tayshaun Prince is in there somewhere. But put, if you start Derek Fisher, Russell Westbrook at the two, 
Kevin Durant did the three, and then and then your normal bigs with Serge Ibaka and, and Kendrick Perkins. Why not try it out? Let somebody else manage the game and have Westbrook do what he does, which is just score. He's a freak of he's a freak of nature talent wise. I, I I get it. I know he's a great mid range mid range jumper that he's cultivated throughout his year first few years in the NBA that he didn't have when he came here. But they got to do something, and that comes down to coaching. Why are the San Antonio Spurs always at the top of the West? Greg Popovich knows how to move pieces around to squeeze out the most production from his team. He knows that in big games, he'll start Manu Ginobili. He'll have two ball handlers on the court at all times with Tony Parker and him. Manu Ginobili, when healthy, could win six men of the year every year. But Pop knows that things have to be tweaked in order to win big games. And in the playoffs, every game is big, obviously. So Scott Brooks needs to do something because having... KD and Westbrook shoot 53 times combined. It's not working. If I were anybody playing them, I would let KD and Russell Westbrook go nuts. Because what what if they score 40 each? My team is still going to score more than 80 points. It gets the whole team out of rhythm when Russell Westbrook just decides to quote unquote take over, take every shot seven times in a row. Then people are out of out of their out of their rhythm. Thabo Sevalosha, perfect example last night. Westbrook or I think it was Kevin Durant kicked the ball out to him, traveled, boom. Normally he's a catch and shoot guy from the corner for three, but when you're out of your rhythm, you're not expecting to get the ball. It's like it's like if a left fielder hasn't got a ball all day. In high school, and you just kind of, you know, go off into a fantasy land, go through the motions, and when the ball comes, you drop it. It's, I mean, it's a very elementary concept. Keeping everybody involved, keeping the ball moving, passing the ball, playing as a team is paramount in basketball. And these guys should know that by now. And they're not playing like it. So back to my initial question. Scott Brooks, yes. Should be on the hot seat. There's so many more coaches that would be better fit. And I think Phil Jackson would have been a fantastic move over there. But he's not that kind of guy. He's an, he's an historian of the game of basketball. Yes, he did go to Chicago and take care of business there time and time again. Put Chicago on the map for the rest of eternity. Came to Los Angeles, a team 
deeply rooted in the lore of NBA history. And now he's with the Knicks. He wouldn't go to Oklahoma City. But there are coaches that are better equipped than Scott Brooks. And it, it'll be interesting to see. Again, scapegoating the coach here. But this is also the front office's fault for letting James Harden go. I understand you can't pay all three guys. I get it. They kept the wrong guy. And it's crazy that with how lucky they got in the draft with Kevin Durant working out, with Russell Westbrook working out, with James Harden working out three years in a row. They kind of put themselves in a pickle. I mean, it was a good pickle to be in, but now they're, they're waning. It, it doesn't, nothing makes sense in Oklahoma City anymore. Partially, Russell Westbrook. I would say on the court, much of this is his fault. And, I, and, and it's hard to single out one guy, especially a guy as talented as him, a guy that puts up the numbers that he does. But if your point guard, starting point guard, all-star point guard, only has two assists in a game of this magnitude, there's something wrong. If he were to go back to when he was a rookie in second year, when he was flirting with a triple-double seemingly every night, that's what would allow them to win. That's what would bring Cephalosia back into play. The Bruce Bowen-like Cephalosia, three-pointers from the corner. That's what would keep Serge Ibaka active. That's what would allow Kevin Durant to shine as the MVP that he is of the league. Sometimes Russell Westbrook forgets that he has the MVP on his team. He thinks he's the MVP. And in the next couple years, we'll really see what happens with Russell Westbrook, what he's going to choose to do, if he's going to go for money or if he's going to try and win. Because everybody, anybody will give him $100 million. Anybody will give him a max contract when, when his contract is up. So partially his fault, and I'll put some fault on Kevin Durant's shoulders for this reason. He doesn't have the killer instinct. He is supremely talented. He's the best offensive player in the NBA, in my opinion. He can do things that nobody else can do in the league. He's 6'10", plays like he's 6'3", and has the wingspan of a 7'5 guy. He can jump and shoot over anybody. He shoots 90% from the line. He shoots over 40% from three. And he shoots a lot of them. But he doesn't have the give me the ball now and I'm going to put the team on my shoulders in him. And maybe that's just his demeanor. But all of the greats, all of the greats, at one time or another just said, it's my time. It's my team. Give me the ball and get out of the way. And he hasn't done that yet. He has not done that. And that's where I think he's at fault. And he's been in the league long enough now to where there's no excuse. He's got to the finals. They got embarrassed in the finals. And yes, James Harden having an awful finals at that point hurt them a lot. They've matured a lot since then. James Harden hasn't in in clutch situations, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But something needs to change. The Richter scale needs to get tipped one way or another. I'm not saying getting rid of Westbrook is, is the answer. 
I'm not saying it's the solution. But it's something that should be brought up. Who's to say that Kevin Durant wants to stay in Oklahoma City? If they were still in Seattle, I, I would I would say that he'd want to stay there because that another team that was historically in the NBA, one of the best run, most loved franchises. But George Carl Seattle Sonics were scary. They ran into Michael Jordan. I mean, a, lo- a lot of teams did that, and, 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 they, and they faltered. But Oklahoma City, it doesn't have the history. And he's a student of the game as well. So in the upcoming two or three years, especially if they don't win a championship or get back to the finals again, there's going to be issues. And... We'll see what happens. Clippers-Golden State. This game I watched every second of. And again, Golden State, just like Indiana, just seemed undisciplined. They turned the ball over way too much. Steph Curry went from shooting too much to not shooting enough. He kind of turned it on in the second half shot-wise, but he only took 12 shots. 15 assists, fine. But they couldn't put the ball in the basket. Clay Thompson, 2 of 11 from 3. The second half, when that clock started to start the third quarter, Golden State, 3 turnovers in the first 5 possessions. Blake Griffin, on the other hand, went on an 8-0 run by himself. And he was making shots. I mean, he was making harm Globetrotter shots. Now, I don't know if if this is a premonition. I don't know if this is signs of things to come or if he just closed his eyes and and jacked these balls up. I I just don't. He had a 22-footer from the top of the key that I was just like, okay, well, you can't win if he's going to make those shots. Now, I'm not going to jump and call him Tim Duncan yet, but if he can evolve himself into that kind of player, being able to hit those shots, he'll go down as top, top 30 ever, top 20 ever, top 30 ever. And I say that mockingly because I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's there yet. Yes, his numbers are there, the points are there, the rebounds are there. He had he had a hell of a game. Fifteen of twenty five from the field, two of two of nine from the line. He had two big ones late, which I was surprised about. But um Yeah, it's just Unfortunately for Golden State, this is a tough matchup for them because they feed off scoring more points than the other team. And what I mean by that is they don't really play defense. So they have to outscore teams to win instead of lock teams down. And the Clippers are the number one scoring team in the NBA. It's kind of a tough draw for them. Clippers are the number one against the three-pointers, against the three-point shot in the NBA over the course of the regular season, only yielding 32%. I think the the, the, sun, uh, the uh, Warriors are shooting 27% from three, and that's where their bread is buttered. I understand it was kind of a tough thing to see Andrew Bogut go down. So they have the ancient warrior, Jermaine O'Neal, clogging up the middle, or, or, I mean, loosely defined there. It just doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. And this is something that, again, you can look at the coach, Mark Jackson, 
it's easy to be loved in the first season when you do well. And they did. They did well the first year that he was at the helm. But teams like this that are young, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, who is potentially the steal of that draft. He had 14 and, uh, 13 and 11 last night. He played really, really well, and he's playing big-time minutes. They're expecting a lot from him. When you have the crux of your team being so young, you're going to go through these spells where people, they're just going to look around and be like, I don't know what to do, so let's just jack it. Andre Iguodala has been underwhelming. He had 11 and 9 last night, but it just... It, he used to be so much better than he is now. Everybody thought that this would catapult Golden State into, into being one of the favorites to come out of the West. It's not really working out that way. David Lee's kind of plateaued. The days of 25 and 15 every night have, you know, has subsided. But when you shoot so many threes, it's difficult to, to establish a low post game. And it seemed like Golden State was forcing it last night. They were so jacked up to be at home. Tough place to play. Nobody told the Clippers that. This is the most intriguing series to me. And I really don't know what's going to happen. Game four is going to be the determinant. If, if Golden State loses by 15 or 17, you can, you can stick a fork in them. But if they come back and win, if, if they have the gusto, the intestinal fortitude to come back and win a huge game at home before going back to L.A., we could have a great series on our hands. Top to bottom, the Clippers are the best team in the NBA. I don't really have any qualms about saying that. I mean, their bench is littered with guys that used to be Stars in the league, Glenn Davis, Danny Granger, Hito Turgulu, Darren Collison, Jamal Crawford. That could be a starting five. That starting, those five guys right there, is a better starting five than four, five, six teams in the NBA right now. And they're on the bench. (laughs) Jared Dudley's there. So top to bottom, the Clippers are the scariest team in the NBA. And we'll see if Golden State can reach down deep and at least show something. Show some fight back. I know they only lost by two last night. I know Steph Curry had a shot to win at the buzzer, which was questionable. uh, No call on Chris Paul. He kind of did push off right into the stomach of Steph Curry, but the Clippers were up 18 midway through the third. Would have been a miraculous comeback. Steph Curry hit two ridiculous threes to keep them close late in the game. I just don't know if Golden State has it in them. They have to score 115 points a game to win. They just do. So, we'll see what happens with that. Tonight, we have another slate of great games. Toronto goes to Brooklyn. Series tied 1-1. Toronto had a great win after kind of giving up game one. Kind of just laid down, watched Paul Pierce and Kevin, Kevin Garnett do what they do. Last three, four minutes of that game. Chicago goes to Washington down 2-0. Where did Washington come from? Who is, John, who is this John Wall? 
This is a far cry from the John Wall that was doing his stupid dance at Kentucky. This is a far cry from people questioning that pick. I mean, I understand that he was the best player to come out of the draft that year. I understand that he was a... That's just what it was. I get that. But he... And Junior Spivey talked about this, I think, last week or the week before when we were talking about John Wall. This kid is a freak. 6'3", fast as lightning, handles the ball really well. He, He had a huge turnover issue in his first two years in the league. He's kind of rectified that situation. Shoots over 80% from the line. And he is the leader of this team. Bradley Beal. That draft pick working out when they took him so high in the draft two years ago, that is what is allowing all of these things to happen. When you have a guy like that on your team that's so cerebral, that's such a team player and can shoot the lights out, that backcourt is going to be scary for many, many years to come barring injury. Having Nene come back from injury this year, he's playing, he, he's showing flashes of his former self, his former Denver self. Martian Gortot coming over in a trade from Phoenix, that was a great pickup for them. So now they have a 7 1 guy that can finish around the basket, that can rebound, that can complement Nene down low. And you have Trevor Rees as the three, who's the lanky stretch, stretch three, stretch four. He can play center. He can shoot threes. He plays defense. He doesn't make that many bonehead moves. This team is shaping up to be a pretty, pretty nice team in our state's capital. And they're fun to watch. And I'd be pissed if I was Chicago. They would have had a better chance against Brooklyn. They're so young. They're so driven. They're scary. They are scary. Look at... So Indiana gets through Atlanta, say, you know, in six games or whatever. And they have to play Washington? If Jeff Teague and Kyle Korver are giving you trouble, what do you think John Wall and Bradley Peel are going to do? If six, eight Paul Millsap's giving you issues... What about Gortat and Nene down low? It's not going to get any easier for Indiana. Now Miami's looking like geniuses for falling to the two seed. Playing Charlotte. Play the winner of Toronto and Brooklyn, which they match up both nicely with, even though Brooklyn dominated the regular season series. I, I really like Washington. I like John Wall. I like Bradley Beal. I like how they've molded so well together so fast. And now, obviously, it's easy to say because they're up 2-0, they won two games on the road in Chicago. Like, I understand that it's easy to jump on the bandwagon now. Chicago can't score. They don't have one score. They need to get Carmelo quick, stat, right away. If you get a 10-point lead against Chicago, you win. Joachim Noah can only do so much there. And they better put people around him or he's going to be gone. So Washington, at home tonight, up 2-0. This will tell a lot about Washington because 
this is the time where young teams can kind of become complacent. You're up 2-0. You have two home games before you have to go back out on the road. You have the mindset of, oh, all we do need to do is win one. Or let's not go back to Chicago. Let's crush them twice at home, go to the next round. So we'll see what they do. And this is, that's a game I'm most interested in watching tonight. And then the nightcap, Houston goes to Portland. Oh, boy. Houston, we have a problem. I wish I could come up with a better phrase than that, but that's all I had. Dwight Howard's getting his. James Harden is having some issues. Dwight Howard is having a huge playoff so far. He's having huge, 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 huge numbers. Making his free throws. James Harden is just fizzling. Game one, clutch situation. James Harden wanted nothing to do with that basketball. He wanted nothing, nothing, nothing to do with that basketball. And this is, you know, I already I alluded to it earlier. The finals with Oklahoma City. It's the same story, different jersey. Now they have to go. They have to go to Portland. They have to go to the Moda Center, formerly the Rose Garden, which is one of the toughest places to play in basketball. What are they going to do? And, and listen, I mean, I, I get it. LaMarcus Aldridge is playing out of his mind. He, I mean, out of his mind doesn't even cover it. He's averaging 44 points a game for, through two games. Hey, Dwight Howard, are, if you're the best... If you've won the defensive end, defensive player of the year a couple times, shut him down. Show that you're the best defensive player in the league, or used to be. Show it, because he's dropping 44 on your keisters two games in a row on your home court. This is going to say a lot about Houston tonight. Washington for them at home because they're young. This is going to say a lot about Houston and their makeup as a team tonight. And and Portland is doing a fantastic job. They're doing... I love this this strategy, which is... Excuse me, what I talked about before, just le- having Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant just score a lot of points and stopping everybody else, that's what they're doing. They're letting Dwight Howard get his, shutting down Chandler Parsons, containing James Harden, and winning. I can't wait. If, if Houston loses the this, this Series 3-1, when is Dwight Howard going to start complaining? We need more players. We need more players. It is not a good time to be a Houston Rockets fan. It is not a good time. Whew. So overall, the playoffs have been, have been exciting. The Western Conference more so. But the storylines in the Eastern Conference are better, in my opinion. You have Atlanta up 2-1, which is fun. You know, I, I still think Indiana is going to win the series, but it's fun. It's fun to talk about. Miami, 2-0, but Charlotte's played them tight both games. 
Charlotte is showing a lot more gusto. I already used that word today, but than I thought they would. They're playing in these games. They've had leads later on in these games, and it's it's fun to watch. Brooklyn, Toronto. T- people don't really know much about Toronto. Demar Derozan is becoming a rising star in this league. I believe he was an All Star this year. He's playing really, really well. People questioned that draft pick um, a few years back, but he's starting to come into his own. He's, he's taking over as the leader of that team, at least on the offensive end. Can still jump through the roof. Kyle Lowry, healthy, is one of the top point guards in this league. Every team that gets rid of Rudy Gay gets better. Just interesting to me. Memphis, Toronto. It would be interesting to see what happens with Brooklyn. If the ancient warriors can can push through and show that experience is more important than talent, they have enough talent on that team. And then adding uh, Kevin Garnett and uh, and Paul Pierce is helping, obviously, because Paul Pierce did nothing in game one and then came down, hit three huge jumpers, and that was it, and they win the game. So I love the young versus old there. And then Washington Chicago I already talked about. I I have a crush on the Washington Wizards. I have an absolute crush. And then the West, Dallas, San Antonio. San Antonio was kind of screwed either way. I think that they would have had the best matchup against Phoenix. Getting Memphis would have been an issue. Getting Dallas, at least they don't have to travel that far on road games. But Dallas could be up 2-0 right now. They split in San Antonio. San Antonio has always been, ever since Popovich era, has been a very good home team. So splitting, they won that game pretty handily, game two a couple days ago. Dirk Nowitzki hasn't shown anything. Monte Ellis is a completely different player in the Dallas Mavericks system than he was in Golden State. He plays as a team. He plays, he plays as a teammate. He facilitates. He's still a great scorer. He's still one of the best slashers in the NBA. He's still fast. Still gets to the line a lot. Is you know a, above average free throw shooter, which is huge, especially for the amount of times that he gets to the line. Jose Calderon is 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 a game manager, and Dirk is Dirk. Dirk is ageless. So this is a, in my opinion, and must win. I hate when people say must win. San Antonio's got to win this game tonight or tomorrow. They have to win. Getting an extra day rest is huge for San Antonio. Because Tim Duncan game one looked like he played when he was 23, and then game two he looked like he played when he was 15. I I would imagine if he was playing against the talent that he's playing, it doesn't matter. They got to win this game. Memphis up 2-1 against Oklahoma City with another game at home. Fun story, close series. Each game has been close, which is great. Golden State, it's going to show a lot about them. Down 2-1, have another home game before going back to L.A. It's going to show a lot about Golden State. And then Portland, Houston. you got to love this, especially as a Laker fan. I understand. I, I don't have hatred towards guys that leave. But Dwight Howard's a punk. And karma, it's a beautiful thing sometimes. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back, final segment. I want to talk NFL. 
I want to talk Arizona Cardinals regular season schedule. I want to talk how the NFL has kind of tipped their hat to the Cardinals with the schedule that they were given. Not with regards to strength, but with regards to spotlight. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, VoiceAmerica.com. I'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome back. Formula Lasseter Sports Talk. Last segment, 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lasseter. Been talking NBA. We will continue to stay on the pulse of the NBA playoffs throughout the next few weeks. I do want to switch gears, move over to a uh, an interesting thing that's transpired with the Arizona Cardinals. First game of the regular season at home against the San Diego Chargers Monday Night Football. Thursday, December 11th, Thursday night football at St. Louis Rams. Then they come back next week, December 21st, at home, Sunday night football, Seattle Seahawks at home. Three primetime games for a team that people didn't give two sniffs about last year. They finished 10 and 6. They show what they're made of, especially in the tough division that they're in, in the NFC West. They're by week, week four. That's one thing that I'm not a huge fan of. Having early by weeks, unless you go one and two, and you need a, a quick recharge before the rest of the season, it's not a good thing. You need a week... Mid-season, week, mid week 8, week 9, week 10, 
to just take a breath. And the NFL scheduling, scheduling committee did not allow that to happen for the Arizona Cardinals. Overall, not awful schedule-wise. Not easy. You have the eighth toughest schedule across the NFL. And it's funny, the top eight teams with regards to strength, Oakland, Denver, St. Louis, San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle, Kansas City, Arizona, in that order. So Arizona has the easiest schedule out of those eight teams. And for those of you that weren't following, those eight teams make up the NFC West and AFC West. The NFL scheduling committee said, no way are we having two divisions dominate like they did last year. Let's pin them up against each other. And they did just that. Man, it's going to be an exciting year. I can't imagine any team out of those eight winning more than 11 games if everything transpires the way it did last year, which obviously every year is different. I understand that. But none of those teams got weaker. Kansas City stayed the same. Lost a couple guys. Seattle lost a couple of their defensive pieces. Oakland got stronger. And depending on what they do in the draft, they this is going to really show what direction they're going in as a franchise, as an organization. Because with the toughest schedule across all 32 teams, it's going to change who they're going to draft. It, it might tip the scale one way or the other. If, they're going to dra- if they were going to draft the quarterback or go defensive end, Now they might just go quarterback and throw throw it all in one basket. Say so we're either going two and fourteen, we will compete for the division. The addition of MJD was big there. They got Matt Schaub. They got rid of Terrell Pryor. They just traded Terrell Pryor to Seattle. Man, Oakland can't catch a break. They cannot catch a break. And the interesting towards the bottom with the quote unquote weaker schedules. Indianapolis Colts, dead last or first, I guess, whatever you, however you want to say it. They have the easiest schedule? Indianapolis? I don't understand. They were a playoff team last year. I understand their division isn't the strongest, so, I mean, that probably has a lot to do with it, especially with Houston going 2-14 and 14 last year. Tennessee right around 500, but under. Jacksonville under. So that in and of itself, I guess, would yield them to have the easiest schedule out of anybody. But Houston's going to be better than 2-14 and 14 next year. Jacksonville's going to be better. And Tennessee looks like they'll be right around the same. That's a gift. New Orleans has an easy schedule, 23rd. Carolina. After, after the gauntlet they went through last year, they deserve it. Looks like a little bit of East Coast bias here. NFC East. 17, 18, 20. In the rankings. 
Giants have an easy schedule, 26th, under 500 combined record from last year. The teams are playing this year. So this is the beauty of the NFL. You're good one year, we'll knock you down next year. And I, I mean, I love that. I mean, I, there's <laughs> every team, the, the relevancy factor of teams, there's a lot less parity in the NFL because so much of it is predicated upon the schedule. And I, I understand that they're always surprise teams. Teams always underwhelm. I mean, look at Atlanta and Houston last year. Nobody saw that coming. Some people picked them to win that meet in the Super Bowl. And what, they had six wins combined? I'm just excited for football. And the Cardinals to end the year. Last year, the last two games of the year were at Seattle, which they won, and at home against San Francisco. This year, second to last game of the year, they're at home against Seattle, and they finish the season on the road in San Francisco. So, it... it Regardless of what happens during the meet of the schedule, they have those two. They have those two they're looking at all the way down the road. Man, this is a tough schedule. They get Washington at home October 12th, right after going to Denver. The one good thing about the Seattle game, which is a Sunday night game, is they play Thursday night the week before. So that's not necessarily a bye week, but it's a perfect setup for the Cardinals. We'll talk more about this as the weeks go by. Draft coming up two weeks from yesterday. That'll be exciting. So we'll continue to to dig into this schedule for the Cardinals and all the NFC West schedules. Crunch some numbers. Check everything out. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. See you guys Monday. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.